welcome to this inspiring message brought to you by Kingsword Media Outreach, a part of Kingsword Ministries International. We hope this teaching inspires you and transforms you into all that God has destined you to be. Please stay tuned for more information about Kingsword Ministries International following this message. May God bless you as you listen. This moment is your sweet spirit of grace. Use it for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. We yield ourselves to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We yield ourselves to you, sweet spirit of grace. Breathe upon us afresh. Let us encounter something new here today. Touch everyone, change every life. We ask in the name of Jesus. Let newness happen for us, O God. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. And the church of God say, And the church of God say, Glory to God. Come on, celebrate Jesus. Come on, go ahead and celebrate Jesus. Celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we just bless you. Today, I trust God that we conclude on the teaching on reflections. It's the last Sunday of the month of February, and it's also our missions Sunday. So all over the world, all the Kingsway churches, all over the world, we're celebrating Mission Sunday today. And um, it's a time where we take our time, not just the seeds that we're sowing, but also the prayers being offered and the attention towards our mission plans in Africa and across the world. Glory to God. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 is where we started from where we started talking about reflections Genesis 1 26 that God made man in his image so it means that every expression of humanity is a reflection of God every expression of um, of humanity is an is an exp- uh, it's an extension of God okay it's a reflection of God it's a uh, is a reflection of divinity. Everywhere man shows up, there is a reflection of God in it. Okay? Glory to God. And we said that the Christian life is not engineered to work out itself. It's not a life of self-discovery or self-motivation or self-awareness. It has nothing to do with self. And if anything at all, it has everything to do with who Jesus is, who Christ is, and what he has come to do. So everything self is taken out of the way. Glory to God. And then we said the man is only a reflection of an image. It's only a reflection of an image. So if God says, let us create man in our image, it means that um, man simply is reflecting 
God is showing forth God. So man in himself is nothing outside God. He's a reflection of a higher being, a supreme being, which is God. Hallelujah. We started from 2 Corinthians chapter 3 from verse 7. The, uh, the Passion Translation says, even the ministry that was characterized by chiseled letters on stone tablets came with a dazzling measure of glory, though it produced death. The Israelites couldn't bear to gaze on the, on the glowing face of Moses because of the radiant splendor shining from his countenance, a glory destined to fade away. Yet how much more radiant is the new and glorious ministry of the Spirit that shines from us? So letting us know that Moses had a form of glory. And that glory that Moses had was destined to fade away. It's a form of glory. It's a form of a reflection. But it was destined to fade away. So it now says that how much more radiant. That if Moses' face glowed and it was radiant. How much more us is the new and glorious ministry of the Spirit that shines from us. Glory to God. So there is a new and glorious ministry of the Spirit that shines from you and I. Someone say that there is a new and glorious ministry of the Spirit that shines from me. Turn to someone and say there is a new and glorious ministry of the Spirit that shines from you. Glory to God. That's what we talk about when we say reflection. So we're saying that we do not have a light of our own. We do not have a glory of our own. We do not have anything of our own. What we have come from him. What we have emanates from him. So it's the ministry of the spirit that shines from us. That shines through us but did not come from us. It came from him. It came from him. So everything we do, we are a reflection of him. Simply put. We are reflecting our maker. We are reflecting our creator. We are reflecting Jesus Christ. He's the ultimate. The Bible calls him the author and the finisher of our faith. The first and last, the beginning and the end. So he starts it and he finishes it. So you and I just come to take up that space where he is. Okay? So when we stand, if you stand behind, if you stand in front of a light and the light or and the light is reflecting on you. There is something that is cast out. It's called a shadow, right? So the shadow is showing because of the light that is reflecting on you. So we're saying that in Christ Jesus, we are in the light of Christ. And then his reflection, whatever is showing when we come into that light. Whatever is showing when, when his light shines on us. That's what we reflect. And that's who we really are. And that's who Christ has made us to be. Glory to God. I did a lot on the introduction. You can, you can listen to the first part of that message. Glory to God. So today, I want to zero in on one particular um, focus, which I call consciousness. Consciousness. Thank you, Father. Do you know that you are really 
not who you say you are. You are really not who you think you are. You are really not what people call you. You are who Christ says you are. You are who God says you are. That's your true self. That's your true nature. That's who you really, really are. So when people say things like, oh, you know what? Just leave me. That's, that's who I am. That's the way I am. I can give it to you, hook, line, and sinker. That's who I am. That's an expression of something that has found its way through you, either by way of association or by way of some, uh, something you picked up while you're growing up and stuff like that and you have such kind of attitude and then you display such things. But who you really are is who Christ says you are. Why do I say so? Because it's, it's the person that designs something that knows what that thing is. Am I correct? The designer of this microphone or this pulpit designed it this way to look like this because of an image they have in their mind. Okay? So because of that image, they made it up to look like this and then they gave it a name. So if I take this um, microphone and I probably start using it to play table tennis, at some point I could hit the ball. Now, someone comes in and says, oh, that's a table tennis bat. Is that really a table tennis bat? No, that the person called it a table tennis bat because I'm using it to play table tennis doesn't make it a table tennis bat. Okay? So, when you find certain expressions in you that doesn't conform to Christ, you can't conclude that that's who you are. You check your bank account and it's zero. You can't conclude that you are broke and you say to yourself, you know what? I'm wretched of all men. Why? Because you're broke. That moment expression, what is happening to you at that time does not have the right to determine who you really are just because of the circumstance. So I'm playing table tennis with the microphone and then someone walks in and says oh, that's a bat. That's a table tennis bat. I'll be bold to tell the person no. So the same way he sees you boy, you've been walking all over this place. You are so broke. No. The same way situations talk to you and tell you you are not something. You say, no. The fact that it may appear that right now I'm expressing that thing does not authenticate it or validate it. What validates everything that I am is who Christ says I am. So I'm a reflection of him. Good. So when things like that show up, it's not for you to condone them or be embarrassed by the reality of such things. It's for you to embrace a higher reality. It's for you to look into the perfect law of liberty and bring out, the Bible says, we behold as in a glass, a mirror. And then we are changed into what? The same image from glory to glory to glory. So the more we keep looking at the image and then we're looking at ourselves and this image is saying to me 
that in Christ Jesus I have everything. And this image is saying to me that in Christ Jesus I abound unto much. And this image is saying to me that I'm the head and not the tail. And this image is saying to me that no evil shall befall me. And it's looking like things are not working in line. What I do is that I look. And then I keep looking. Because the more I look, I become. So I'm gradually being changed into that image. Why? Because I realize that I am a reflection of him. So there is nothing of myself that I can engineer. I only receive him and then I reflect him to the world. Turn your Bible to John. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. From verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Look at what the Passion Translation says. It says, in the very beginning, the living expression was already there. And the living expression was with God, yet fully God. It said they were together face to face in the very beginning. All through his creative inspirations, this living expression made all things. For nothing has existence apart from him. Life came into being because of him. For his life is light to all humanity. And this living expression is the light that burst through gloom. The light that darkness could not diminish. So if scripture tells us that Jesus is the light that came to light every man that comes into the world. And it tells us that the light is the life of humanity. So it means that the more of that life, that, that light I receive, the more life I give out. The more of the light of Christ I receive, the more life I give out. That's why he said in John 10.10 10, that a thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So it says men love darkness because their ways are evil. It says but you, you have come to the light. You love the light. Why? Because you love righteousness. Why? Because he is righteousness. So the more we embrace his righteousness, the more we embrace his light, the more the life of Christ breathes upon us and begins to find expression. It begins to find expression. From verse 9. It says, For the light of truth was about to come into the world and shine upon everyone. He entered into the very world he created. Yet, the world was unaware. He came to the very people he created. To those who should have recognized him, but they did not receive him. But those who embraced him and took hold of his name were given authority to become.
become the children of God. Titus 2.11 I said, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Has appeared to all men. But not all men have received that salvation. So you see that everyone on the face of this earth qualifies to be saved. Everyone on the face of this earth qualifies to receive salvation. But not everybody has received it. Christ died for the whole world. Everyone on earth right now he has died for. Everyone on earth right now has salvation right in front of them. But he's saying that only those who have received it are called the sons of God. So the same way the light of God has shone throughout the world to everyone is shining. But he's saying that only those who receive that life, receive that light can give life. Only those who receive his light can give life. Why? Because he's the lamp of God that lights the whole world. That lights everyone that comes into the world. Glory to God. Verse 14. It says, and so the living expression became a man and lived among us. And we gazed upon the splendor of his glory. And the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, flowing with tender mercy and truth. Verse 16. And now, out of his fullness, we are fulfilled. And from him, we receive grace. Heaped upon grace. We receive grace. Heaped upon grace. King James calls it grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. Grace for grace. That's the expression of who Christ is. So, in reality, when you and I step out, what are we stepping out to do? We're not stepping out of ourselves, but we're stepping out because of him and for him. So, everything about our lives becomes about Christ. Everything about him is what we're after. The reason we go to work, the reason we come for church, the reason we, we have a family, the reason we're in relationships. The reason we're, we want that project. The reason we want anything done at all. Now becomes about Christ. So he becomes the focus of everything. Why? He's the lamp of God that lights every man that comes into the world. So your life and my life makes no meaning. If it does not reflect his life. The things you do on a daily basis makes no meaning if it has no reflection of Christ Jesus. If it's not showing Christ's forth one way or another. It makes no meaning. If it has no expression in God, it makes no meaning. It makes no sense. And it doesn't add to humanity. In all essence, it doesn't add to humanity. Because the Bible says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So he started everything in the beginning. He said there was nothing made that was made without him. So if there was nothing made that was made without him, how then do we think that we can run our lives without him? How then do we think that we can live our daily lives without him? How then do we think that we can function every day without him? How possible is that? It's not possible. 
Yes, we may achieve some feet. We may, we may have some progress here and there. It's okay. But the truth of the matter is, compared to your full potential, you may never fully maximize who Christ has made you to be outside him. You will never fully maximize it. You can only reach as far as you can reach. But in Christ Jesus is the fulfillment of purpose. Is the fulfillment of life. That's where everything culminates. That's where everything comes together. That's where everything puts together. David was saying that I, I, I used to be envious of the wicked and the evil people until I went in the sanctuary of God and I saw their end. I used to be envious and look at people and see how far they've gone and they never knew God. I was wondering, but I know God. How come I've not gone this far? He said, until I entered the sanctuary of God and I saw their end, I kept my mouth shut. And then from that moment, he realizes that his life is an expression of God. So what he lives for every day and what you and I should live for every day is that our lives should reflect him continually. Wherever you find yourself, it's a continual reflection of God. So receive grace heaped upon more grace. Verse 18. It says, no one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor except the uniquely beloved son who is cherished by the father and held close to his heart. Now he has unfolded to us the full explanation of who God truly is. So he's saying that no one has seen God. No one has gazed upon him. No one has seen his fullness the way he is except Jesus. So Jesus, having seen that fullness, has shown that fullness to us. So Jesus is bold enough to say that, stop looking for the father. Because when you see me, you've seen the father. He said, because I've gazed on the father. I've seen who the father is. I've seen his glory. I've seen everything. So when you see me, you've seen the father. So now he's saying, look on me. I reflect the father. So when you look on me and people look on you, they reflect me and not you. So Jesus is saying that I stand here with the glory the father has gloried me. So when you look at me, you see the father. So he's saying to us that have come to know him, look on me. So when we look on him, we take on his expression. We take on his, his reflection. Then when unbelievers look on us, who do they see? Jesus. So we're not in the picture at all. So let's not get it twisted or get in our head that we have arrived. Oh, we have now come. No, 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 no. The reason you and I are here, the reason we got saved is so that we can reflect him. The reason that people come to us and ask us for counsel and say pray, pray with me or agree with me or share a word with me or what do you think about this? Let's agree together. It's because they are seeing Christ in us. So for us to get it into our head to think that hey we have arrived. I'm now the bishop of the town. Everyone comes to me for counsel. Everyone comes to me for, 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 for prayers. Everyone comes to me for, for wisdom, for advice. It's to get it twisted. Because the only way they can come is because the light is shining through you. So Jesus in essence and the Holy Spirit is the one drawing men through you and I. Drawing men 
by the way we live our lives. So if you want more of God, you receive the light more. Because Jesus said, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel. No. So the reason you've been anointed is so that you can be on a hill and the whole world can see Jesus through you. The reason you are prospering is so that you can be on a hill that everyone can see Jesus through you. The reason you have whatever it is that you have is so that Christ can find expression through you. So in essence, we're saying that your existence must be a blessing to humanity through Christ Jesus. That way, you become a full reflection of him. A full reflection of him. Hebrews chapter 10. From verse 1. It says, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come. Someone say good things. Turn to someone beside you. Say good things. And not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year. Make those who approach perfect. When I read the scripture, I realized that from the very beginning, God had thoughts of good things. From the very beginning, thoughts of good things. So he said, for the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things. <laughs> not the very image. They can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. So it means that God's plan from day one was for a perfect people. But that perfection cannot come but in Jesus. It couldn't come. Look at verse 2. It says, for then they, for then will they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshippers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year every year. So, we're saying that God's plan is that there shouldn't be a remembrance of sin. That's the plan of God. That there shouldn't be a remembrance of sin. And God's plan from verse 2 is that for the worshippers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins. So, God set the order from the very beginning that you and I should get to a place where we do not have the consciousness of sin. God told me some time ago, he said, do you know why I am called holy? Before I answered, he said to me, he said, it is not because there is no sin in me. He said, I was holy before anybody sinned. So sin does not define my holiness. You know, you and I can look now and say, ah, this brother, you're not just holy. Because we are, we have something that we are 
comparing with. So we are comparing to a level of righteousness, unrighteousness, or sin, or misdeeds, or misbehavior, and things like that. But when it comes to God, He's holy. Not because He cannot sin or does not sin. Sin has no interpretation in His holiness. So if that kind of God can say to you and I that I want you to get to a point where you have no consciousness of sin. The truth of the matter is as long as we're here we cannot. But guess what? In Christ Jesus that's where it is. So because he knows that we can never attain that position but there's one who can which is Christ. So when Christ attained that position he now said of us look at it. He said, but in those sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. It is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came to the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will Oh God. So that's where Jesus comes. He now became the perfect sacrifice. Blameless and complete. So that when we receive his light. What happens? No consciousness of sin. Not because of us. But because of him. When we receive all that he has done. No consciousness of sin. Say pastor are you trying to say. That I will not sin again. No, till Jesus comes, you will still err. I'm trying to say that in Christ Jesus, you have no consciousness of sin. By yourself and in of yourself, when you remain in that consciousness, you are offering again the sacrifice that has once been offered. But if you accept what he has done, you are saying that as long as I live, I stay continually under the blood of the Lamb. As long as I live. Do you know how God sees you? Do you know why it's, why, why it's difficult for God to see you once you've accepted Christ to see you and see you um, stained? Do you know why it's difficult? Because you are constantly under the waterfall of the blood of Jesus. If I... Sir, please, can you come? If he stands here right now, and let's assume this is a shower, okay? Stand under. Good. And then... He's dry, right? All dry. And then I turn on the shower. And I connect it to an everlasting water supply. Will he ever be dry? Come on church, talk to me. Will he ever be dry? Are you sure? As long as he stays here, what happens to him? He's wet for life. As long as you stay under the blood of Jesus, God sees you perfect for life. The only thing that separates us is when you step away. That's the only thing. Then he sends men to you. We are persuading men. Be reconciled to God. Not to us. We are telling men, come Christ. God is no longer angry with you. The blood of Jesus has washed and cleansed and made us free. 
But if I choose not to come under and I stay away, what happens? He says, your sin remains. So right there, I'm under the blood of Jesus. And somebody comes and takes, please bring that water, please. Come. Let's assume this water is filled with engine oil. Don't pour it on him. Just <laughs> good. All right, stay. Point. Point. He keeps pouring, and someone comes and says, "Look at him. He's stained. He's stained. He's stained. He's stained. He's stained." And the Bible is saying that keep looking at Jesus. Keep your eyes gazed on him. Continue to look. Why did he say continue? Why? Because the blood of Jesus is continuous. So even if you are stained today, he knows that the blood will wash you. Even if you've missed it today, he knows the blood will wash you. Because this has an expiry date, but this one does not. So the issues that hold us bound have an expiry date, but the blood of Jesus does not. The things that hold us bound have expiry date, but the blood of Jesus does not. That's why Paul will say to them, he said, let us move away from easily besetting things and move on to other things. From those things that easily bound us and hold us and move on. Why? Because the blood of Jesus is there eternally. Eternally. So the more we stay under, thank you very much, the more we stay under the blood of Jesus, the more we experience him, we reflect him the more. So let nothing take you away from his presence. Let nothing push you away. Satan accuses you, stay under the blood of Jesus. Satan throws things at you, stay under the blood of Jesus. Why? It's an eternal sacrifice. That's what Hebrews was saying. He said, then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because the moment the sacrifice is offered, the people are clean for one year. Whatever they do, they are clean for one year. Then the sacrifice is offered again another year. But this time around, they said, no. I, it's an eternal sacrifice. So they are constantly under the blood of Jesus. And then they stay there. So Satan comes and tries to take us out from under the blood with condemnation. Oh, you have done this. Oh, you did this yesterday. That happened to you. Oh, I thought you were a Christian. I thought you were a believer. How could you do that? No believer ever does that. Yes. But in Christ Jesus, I reflect him. So I constantly stay under the blood of Jesus. Stand to your feet. Verse 11 says, And every priest stands ministering daily and often repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. When I read such statements, I realize that the objective is to take away sins. But he said, these things they offer can never take away sins. He said, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice, someone say one, for sins, forever, someone say forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemy are made his footstool. 
From that time, wait until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Glory to God. That's where you and I stand. So everywhere you go, you have the consciousness that you reflect Christ. The way to stay in the presence of God it's really, and I remember many years ago, for me to stay sane, I always try to bind the devil every day. Ah, Satan, I've not bound you today. I need to bind you. I got to a point, I was doing it every other hour. Just to be sure that I'm still saved. That's self-righteousness. That's trying to save yourself. But when I realize that, hey, there's a sacrifice that has been made for me once and for all. I put myself under that sacrifice and under that blood. And I stay there continually. And all I just do is what? I receive. I receive. So anything happened, Lord, I receive your love. Even when I err, I receive your forgiveness. <laughs> you don't understand? I receive because he's done it already. There is nothing I will do that will make Christ die on the cross again. His death is once and for all. And in that death is everything encompassing. Encompassing. So what I do? I receive. I receive your love. I receive forgiveness. I receive health. I receive healing. I receive wholeness. I receive joy. I receive what Christ has already done. That's why when he stood on the cross, he said, it is finished. It is finished. Because there remained no more sacrifice. Again, it is finished. So if it is finished, what is finished? What is the finished or finish? Finish it. <laughs> when it is finished, it is finished. He said, there remained no more. No more. There remains no more. So there is no sacrifice. If you like that yourself, I'm going to fast for 20 days because of what I've done. It's you're only starving yourself and self-righteousness. Oh God, because of this thing, I'm going to come to church and kneel down on the altar and roll here and roll there. When your clothes are dirty, you wash them. Those things are just self-expression, self-righteousness expressions. But in Christ Jesus, it says the hidden man when you receive him, you receive everything that he has. And then you stand knowing that you are standing in him. Knowing you are standing in him. And then you lift your hands and say, Lord, I receive. I receive. And that's where the scripture says, we've been given grace upon grace. Grace heaped on grace. Lift your hands to heaven. And say, Lord, I receive. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. I receive healing. I receive wholeness. I receive the finished work at Calvary. I receive everything that Christ has done for me. I receive. Just lift your hands towards heaven and receive. And receive. Receive everything that he has done. It's a finished work. You and I are just a reflection of him. A reflection of him. 
There is nothing of ourselves that we have. We cannot die for ourselves, but we are only reflecting him, what he has done, what he has accomplished, what he has finished for all eternity. Just lift your hands and say, Lord, I receive. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Ministries International. For information about Kingsword Ministries, visit us at kingsword.org for information and additional resources. Thank you for listening to this message. And remember, where the word of a king is, there's power.